0: time for the best coverage of the top stories in sports. The Sports Wrap with Jason Page starts now. Welcome to Tuesday. I'm Jason Page. Bill Bender's coming up in about 15 minutes from the sporting news. He'll hang out with us, talk some college football. Contender Pretender Tuesday is back. Odds and ends. See Wemby get blocked last night. <laughs> How do you block a guy who's got a wingspan of like 17 feet? I don't understand. But it happened last night. Uh, but we'll talk some NFL in this show. And that means our friend Sam Yarnell is here uh, to talk some NFL with us in college football from last night. I mean uh, NFL from last night, Monday night football, uh, in particular, with the Jets and the Chargers doing battle at the Meadowlands and I got to be honest, Sam. You know, we talked about it yesterday on the show. We broke it down. I liked the Jets in this game. I said 19-3, 19-6. And basically, it was the reverse of that with the Jets offense unable to do anything. Uh, The Chargers offense didn't do much more, but... They get a special teams touchdown and Zach Wilson is Zach Wilson and you wind up with a Chargers win and a bunch of head scratching when it comes to the Jets and now trying to figure out what this team actually is. Are we back to where we were in week two or week three with regression for Zach Wilson where we're asking ourselves, can this team you know, win seven or eight games? I don't know.
1: Yeah, run the tape back. Edit the tape in right here of what I said yesterday because it happened to a T. We both took the Jets and the Chargers came in and blew them out. (laughs) The exact score that you were trying to remember was 19-13. There was no chance of that happening by the end of the first quarter. Uh, This game was so much worse than I thought it was going to be. The Jets threw up All over themselves, a team that we had really sold ourselves down the river on just came out and laid an absolute egg almost to the point that we haven't seen them do yet this season. It was bad, Jason. We're not giving the Chargers credit here. They did not beat a good team by any stretch of the imagination. I'm glad that regression to the mean finally rolled around for the Jets and we can stop talking about them actually contending for the playoffs or the AFC East or Aaron Rodgers coming back because it's all over for them. And last night felt like the nail in the coffin. A couple of things. One,
0: I could think about Joshua Dobbs getting dealt at the trade deadline for a sixth-round pick from the Cardinals to the Vikings. And then I'm sitting there asking myself, the Jets couldn't do this? The Jets couldn't do it. They couldn't do it in the offseason when there were a plethora of quarterbacks available. They couldn't do it now before the trade deadline. And now you're stuck. You're stuck with Zach Wilson for the rest of this miserable season for this team. I thought Troy Aikman said it brilliantly uh, in the post game with SVP. He said, Look, the Jets are a bad football team with a good defense. That's exactly what they are. They're a bad football team with a good or even great defense. And we saw that yet again last night. And now, yeah, again, you know, last night they could have won a game at home against a Chargers team that's leaking oil, get to whatever it would have been, 5-3, and and put themselves in a position to potentially win the division. And you go out and put that kind of effort on the football field last night, they could spin it any way they want. They could say anything they want, and Robert Saleh could try to paint the you know pie-in-the-sky picture of this of this team still being able to compete, and there's still a half a season left, all he wants. But at the end of the day, what we saw last night was the Jets aren't serious. They're not a serious football team. You cannot be a serious football team with Zach Wilson as your starting quarterback. And I've tried to give the guy the benefit of the doubt.
1: Can't do it. I'm I would love to harp on a name that you just mentioned, Robert Salah. Uh, if we'll go back to before the season started and Jason and I were talking about who should be the first coach on the hot seat so or this season, I said it was Robert Salah and uh, why do you call him Salah? He said it, it when he was first asked what how to pronounce his name, that's what he said. In some New York media day, something like that. So that's just what I've always run with. Um, Anyway, uh, to the coach. Last night, he got straight up out coached by Brandon Staley. And Brandon Uh, Staley's uh, offense is not as talented as Robert Sala's defense at the end of the day. That's it's objectively true. You look at guys like DJ Reed, who quite frankly should come contend for an all pro look uh, as a defensive back this season. They're loaded from front to back on that Jets defense. This is two seasons in a row that Robert Sala has had a championship defense and a game managing offense and has done absolutely nothing with it. He's throwing up nothing burgers like it's his job, Woody Johnson has to step in at some point, and yeah. I don't know why he hasn't already, yeah, he's Th- gonna give him a pass is-
0: he's gonna he's gonna get a pass because of the Rodgers injury they're gonna they're right. gonna listen it's it's obvious what the jets have already made the decision to do they're gonna they're just gonna wipe this slate clean and come back with air look you i know. We could sit here and do this all day, but the fact of the matter is they will come back next year with the same team and hope for a different result based on the fact that Aaron Rodgers will be the starting quarterback of this team. That's what they're going to do. That's
1: what they're going to do. And it's so frustrating because they, like if they actually tried to progressively get better, the AFC East would be, you know, three absolute dogs and the New England Patriots. That's what that division could be. But instead you have an absolute dog who's not having a great season, one of the most electric college football teams in history, The just slightly worse than mediocre Jets, and the New England Patriots. So I just am so tired of these systems in New York, and it seems like this is like the third one in a row where they've got a very talented team, and they just... Cannot progressively get better. There's no progressive change that happens for in the franchise at all. And one thing goes wrong, and you haven't made changes behind it enough to back them up. It's so frustrating.
0: Nathaniel Hackett's going to stay because they got Nathaniel Hackett's coach Aaron Rodgers. Despite how bad this offense has been this year, despite the fact they haven't been able to make any sort of adjustment to compensate for the fact that that Zach Wilson is the quarterback, they have not figured out a way to make it work, and they're just gonna they're just gonna sit tight, and we'll see what the Jets are next year. That's it. And, and look, I mean, at, at the end of all of this, you know, they still could make a run to the postseason. I think it's unlikely, but they could still make a run to the postseason. But let's not fool ourselves. Whether this is a third wild card team or a team that winds up with the tenth or eleventh pick in the draft because of the fact that you know they're just good enough to not make the playoffs, but just good enough to not get a great draft pick or one of those top five or top six draft picks, which is what you should do when you lose Aaron Rodgers for the season, they should have tanked. Uh, but when you make the decision not to do that, you wind up where the Jets are, and now we'll see what they are next season. For the Chargers, this was a big win, by the way. Nah. Was big it win for the, like, a, listen, win on the road in the NFL, travel cross-country, you take it. You take it, especially big, against a good defense. You get a special teams touchdown. By the way, the Jets have given up four special teams touchdowns in the last two years. The rest of the league has given up three punt returns for touchdowns. I just want to make that clear. For anybody who's looking to find a scapegoat for the Jets to fire, how about the special teams coach?
1: it's always the special teams coordinator isn't it? it it just always seems to be the bills did it too in like the second year of josh allen's career it's always the special teams coordinator uh i think the commanders did it when kirk cousins was the was the quarterback they were the redskins then um to the point though uh, about the jets if they if they play games like they played last night against any team, the rest of the season, they're not going to have a chance at the playoffs. It's as simple as that. You cannot play like that. You cannot put that product on an NFL gridiron and expect to win enough games to make it to the playoffs, let alone win win in the playoffs because you'll run into a good team there and they'll just destroy you. But even against bad teams, when you play the way the Jets did last night, it's not going to get it done over the Here's course the of the thing. season.
0: Here's the thing, though. The remarkable reality of the Jets is this, Sam. They are 4-4. Four and four. The Bills are 5-4. and four. The Jets already own a tiebreaker as of right now over the Bills. The Dolphins are 6-3. and three. The Jets haven't even played them yet. So you have the Jets that are a game behind the Dolphins on the loss side and tied with the Bills. The whole season, the Jets still basically control their own fate nine weeks into the NFL season, which is remarkable to think about when you consider they lost Aaron Rodgers, obviously, uh, in, in game number one, in drive number one of the season. They still control their own destiny. So if Robert Sala wants to, you know, still feel good about this team or try to sell optimism to the fan base, he can Because they control. Everything is sitting right in front of them as of right now, if you're a New York Jets fan. Uh, The schedule going forward for the Jets, they have the Raiders in Vegas this week. It's a winnable game. I don't think they will win, but it's winnable. They've got the Bills in Buffalo the following week. I think we know how that's going to turn out. Buffalo's out for blood. Uh, Home for the Dolphins, home for the Falcons, home for the Texans. Then at the Dolphins, home for the Commanders, at the Browns, at the Patriots, uh, to finish out the season for the Jets. At the Browns, at the Patriots, to finish out the season. I've got a hot take. Oh boy!
1: You stopped.
0: You do, do you do this just to annoy me? Do you just, yes? Do you, do you do you really just say I've got a hot take? But
1: no, no. I this is actually it actually isn't that hot, and it's a reasonable scenario. So I want you to picture this, Jason. I think we're only going to have one AFC East team in the playoffs this year. I think the Jets and the Bills both are going to be like kind of sort of nine and eight, eight and nine. I think both of those teams are going to end up about there. And I think the Miami Dolphins are going to be the only AFC East team that makes the playoffs this year.
0: I'm looking around the rest of the league, though. What makes that t- what makes that argument tough is there's going to be attrition in the AFC North. The worst team you're right now is five get two and three. AFC
1: North teams you'll get at two. minimum.
0: You're, you'll get a division winner and one wild card. Okay, fine. At minimum, yeah, one wild I, one wild card. You might get two. You might get you. You might get two. I, very I realistic see, possibility. I, see, I I'll tell you what I could see. I think you're going to get two out of the North. Two wild cards out of the North. And one out of the East. That's what I think. You're not going to get one in the South. You're not no. going to get one in the South. And you and in the AFC West right now, the Chargers are four and four. That's your second best team. And I don't see. I don't necessarily. And and there's still a bunch of games left to be played in the division. There, I don't think so. I think it's. I think it's going to be two out of the uh, out of the uh, AFC East and. Oh boy, he's getting ready to do a little AM, ASMR here. The
1: Houston
0: Texans not happening. You can you can wish that all you want. That's not happening. It's not happening. This is my car salesman pose. Yeah, yeah. It's not happening. They're four and four, and they lost to Carolina. I'm done. I'm done with the Texans after they lose to Carolina.
1: They're a 2013 Camry with 175 thousand <laughs> miles on them. <laughs>
0: yeah. They might make
1: it to that finish line. They might just.
0: Yeah, I don't think so. Next year. Next year will be a good year for them. Guys are going to want to come and play with C.J. Stroud. Tell you that much. All right, Bill Bender's coming up on the other side. Let's do some college football. on this Tuesday edition of the Sports Wrap. Take a break from the NFL. We'll come back. Contender pretender coming up at about 15. But first, love to bring in our man Bill Bender from the Sporting News. He does a terrific job on all things college football. Hangs out with us today on the program. We'll get into the college football playoff rankings, everything that happened in Week 10. Uh, But first, Bill, got to talk a bit about Michigan. Obviously, you know, they've been a topic of conversation with you and I Almost every week, it feels like for various reasons. Now you've got the NCAA informing them they might uh, take action against them for the scouting and the sign stealing and all of that. To me, you know, I watched Jim Harbaugh's latest press conference, and as much as they're saying they're taking on this villain role, um, and we're gonna, you know, we're gonna the WWE and Ric Flair's there and all that stuff. I see a guy that's just getting worn down and run down by having to answer these constant questions about all things not related to football. I see a Raiders team that needs a head coach and Jim Harbaugh has been friendly with the Davis family for a long time. I add it all up. I say after this year, this guy's gone. Am I nuts?
2: We'll see. I mean, I was told last week that it was a matter of days that an extension would be offered. So the question with Harbaugh is, will he sign it now? I've been in a lot of Jim Harbaugh press conferences. His press conference demeanor has always been hard to read, hard to normalize, hard to figure out. So I don't take too much from that. But to your point, I think this is wearing on everyone. I think it's wearing on Michigan. I think it's wearing on the entire Big Ten. I think it's a cloud over the commissioner's office. And you're supposed to be celebrating the fact that you have this Penn State-Michigan game on the Big Noon spotlight and I'm guessing a large chunk of that will be spent talking about Harbaugh. And it sounds like where where we've arrived is, I think the Big Ten wants to, we talked about this last week, the Big Ten wants to suspend him for some length of time, maybe two games. Maybe it's not even that long of a suspension. And I think Michigan's prepared to dig in and fight it. And this latest story about the, the sign stealing that was going on with other coaches collaborating against Michigan is only going to make things worse.
0: Yeah, I get it. And, you know, it's, yeah again, to me, if you add it all up, you know, there was this talk, and I heard the same thing you did about the contract extension, and, you know, lo and behold, it hasn't happened. And everybody's sort of holding their breath right now to see what happens next. I I also wonder if the sign, I think where this story potentially turns is what the sign stealer reveals. I mean, if this, if this paper trails back to Jim Harbaugh in any way, shape, or form, he's done, isn't he?
2: Oh, for sure. I mean, and then he would maybe head off to the NFL to the Raiders. And I always talk to people. There are certain people that can be the villain, and there are certain people that can't. Jim Harbaugh can. Yeah. He is capable of, of wearing the black hat and yep. doing all and riding out the rest of this season. And, and he there probably isn't a better Raiders coach, to be honest with you. I mean, in terms of persona. And I don't know. Kind of you thing. don't think
0: Dion? I mean, I, I've got to be honest. Dion, the would Dion be thing. even
1: better.
2: <laughs> you know, I've thought about Dion landing there as well. I remember having a discussion last January with some, some people in the industry about why I thought Dion would be a perfect fit at Georgia tech. And when they were looking for a coach and then being from Atlanta and his Atlanta legend and, and all of those things. And I think the results would be what he's done at Colorado, but a little bit better now, granted Georgia tech's five and four right now. They've, they've done a nice job. So, but yeah, but to my point, like can JJ McCarthy wear that black hat? Can that entire Michigan team wear that black hat sometimes with college kids, it can become a distraction where you're like, you're so into being this villain that you can lose focus. And that would be one thing I would be concerned with, with Michigan as they go into Penn state. I mean, certain teams can wear that. The U used to be able to wear that Alabama can wear that. They don't, they certainly don't care that everybody hates them. I don't, they're like, if we were doing like a Marvel comic thing, like Alabama's not even really a villain. They're just them. (laughs) Um, Caleb Williams tears a lot of people made
0: a big deal of that on Saturday night after the loss to uh, to Washington and you know a lot of people said it's because hey he, he sort of realized this was the end of the road some people are saying hey he should just sit the rest of the season keep himself healthy for the draft what did you make of what we saw with with Caleb Williams on Saturday night and some people would argue oh if he's crying at this level what's going to happen in the nfl i i i tend to look at those people and say you're fools you're clowns this is still somebody who's you know just out of his teenage years uh who's obviously feeling some emotion at the moment i didn't have a problem with the tears what did you make of all of it
2: uh you know i mixed for me because i i don't have a problem with anybody showing emotion and all the hard work that they've put into this game. And obviously a tough loss for USC and and losing by 10. I think if he could just get into the locker room though, you avoid this. And, And that's the thing like, yeah, or maybe the TV camera could avoid this and just leave it be. And I know that's, Maybe protecting the player a little bit. Yeah, but I mean, you got to tell watched, the story.
0: I mean, you know, you, you want the camera, you want the camera right. to tell, you want the camera to tell the story in that spot. I don't, did, ca- I don't have a problem with the cat. I don't have a
2: problem with the cat. It's a powerful moment sure. to see that and raw just, emotion. For me, and I was talking about this, and we were talking before I came on. My son had a a rough game in lacrosse this weekend. He's a goalie. He had a rough game, and you know, afterward, you could, I could tell he was a little shook. So we did the kind of did the Dion thing. Honestly, we walked together because I didn't want him to be embarrassed with his, his friends. I knew he was probably going to tear up a little bit. So we walked together all the way down the field and then all the way back and calmed him down. And that's one way to handle it, right? Like so with my my son, I always tell him, you know, the cameras are still always on. They're always on at youth sporting events because you you don't want to become that person that becomes viral viral, you know, whatever, but you know, how many of those you see from a youth sporting event? So for Caleb Williams, I get it. He was overcome with emotion. He went to his mom. I have no problem with any of that. I just think when you put yourself in that position, which he did, there's going to be a fairly large portion of people that think that's either over dramatic or they're, they're going to pick at it right or wrong.
0: How crushing is the loss for Notre Dame to Clemson? I mean, I think we talked about it last week on the show. You're like, hey, don't overlook Clemson, even as bad as they are. And I, in the back of my mind, I'm not going to lie. I'm going, my God, this Clemson team sucks. <laughs> and then I, and then I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there watching my TV, going, is this really happening right now?
2: Right. Uh, you know, I don't. I think we're past the honeymoon with Marcus Freeman, and this is part of the job description at Notre Dame: is that you. Have to play in big games. You can't use we played in too many big games as an excuse. I mean, they lost to Ohio State because of a coaching error. They lost in part because of a coaching error. They lost to Louisville. They weren't ready to go that night. You know, they had played four straight primetime games. I get it, but they weren't ready to go against Louisville. And this one, they weren't ready. There's no way they were prepared for this game. You fall behind 24-7, to you throw the pick six, you run into a team. That's life at Notre Dame. They play a lot of big games. You can't go around saying, we'll play anybody on our schedule and and be this. I mean, they've done that their whole life. And even in this new environment where they won't be in the Big Ten or the SEC, I think it's fair to – Put a little bit of pressure on Marcus Freeman in these big game scenarios. I love Marcus Freeman, love his demeanor, love the way he coaches that team. But um, you got to win big games at Notre Dame, and as that, I mean, ask Brian Kelly how that goes. He can tell you <laughs> it, it's tough.
0: Yeah, it certainly is. Hey, Bill, um, what do you expect when the the latest college football rankings uh, come out on Tuesday night? It would it, I don't see any reason for all that much change. Do you?
2: No, they may pull a couple moves for TV purposes as they so often do. Um, so like by saying that maybe Georgia bumps up to number one, maybe, I, I think they wait a week till they beat Ole Miss. Then they bump them up. Uh, I think the top four will remain the same. I think Michigan will remain a topic of conversation. They're going to ask them again, again about big 10 punishment and <laughs> they're going to give the same answer until we all have some resolution there. And then the top 10 will probably be the same. So I don't, you know, one thing, and it's small, they need to be able to get James Madison in a bowl game. I just was going to ask
0: that. you about that. I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because I was going to actually ask you about that. I mean, you know, they're making this plea to the NCAA, and it, do you sense there could be a reversal on this?
2: I hope so because I mean, it's not James Madison's fault that they're having this much success with the transition. I understand some of the reasoning for it. I also understand there's 41 bowl games that people love to complain that these things are meaningless, but it would mean something to those James Madison players. It would mean something to those Jacksonville state players and rich Rodriguez and the job he's done there. So yeah, I think James Madison should at least be ranked. I mean, you're going to see Liberty be in the top 25 tonight and, uh, the rest of it will be pretty boilerplate from one through eleven, and that top eleven teams—if they put Louisville eleven, which they should do—those uh, are the eleven teams to watch as we get into the final four weeks of the season.
0: Uh, let me ask you about Dion in Colorado. Another loss. Uh, they changed the play calling. You know, they, they put Pat Shermer in there, and you know, you sort of watch the way this team performed again this week. They got to win two of the next three in order to be bowl eligible. I don't see it
2: happening. Is there anything that leads you to believe they can win two of these next three? Well, the problem is they're not going to beat Utah. I think we can agree on that. They could beat Washington State. Washington State struggled down the stretch here. So it really puts a lot of pressure on this game at home against Arizona, who has emerged as one of the most fun teams to watch for those of us who stay up late at night and watch. uh <laughs> Pac-12 after dark Arizona has been great. Noah Fafita the last four weeks over 70%. They've won as an underdog three weeks. They've played a tough schedule. Uh, Jed Fish has done a fantastic job with that team. So, I mean, this is the week where Colorado, if they're going to make a bowl game and go 6-6, six and six, they have to have this one, and that's not going to be easy. I do think it's going to be another fun game, though.
0: If Washington loses another game, do we really run the risk of a Pac-12 team not making the playoff?
2: We do, and I think there were some people in Columbus and and Tuscaloosa and places like that that were rooting for Washington to lose to USC. They may have been crying next to Caleb Williams because they didn't. <laughs> that the Pac-12 is that was a win that the Pac-12 needed, whether we want to admit it or not. It's crazy Johnson, that this this system. The best conference this season that has provided the most entertainment and probably the best offensive play is the one that might get penalized by the format.
0: When's the new playoff system start again? Next year. We'll eliminate all of this. Now. Yeah. One more year and we eliminate all this. While we're eliminating
2: the Pac-12, it's perfect timing. <laughs> exactly. So get rid of them and, and go from there. But this is that time of year where if you're one of those 11 Power 5 teams with one loss or less – you get kind of your TV guide out because you're rooting against other teams.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, Bill Bender does a terrific job on all things college football for the Sporting News. I always appreciate it, my friend. Be well. Hey, no problem. Thanks so much for having me on. Rolling along on this Tuesday edition of the Sports Wrap. Thanks to Bill Bender for hanging out with us from the sporting news and talking some college football. Breaking up the monotony of an NFL Tuesday. and My conversation with Sam Yarnell. Odds and ends in about 15. <laughs> uh, but let's talk some more NFL. Let's bring in back our, our guy Sam Yarnell for a few minutes. There he is. Ladies and gentlemen. I'm your guy. My guy. You're my guy. I'll take it. Yep, you're my you're my TV husband. There you go. I have a bowling husband. I have a TV husband. There you go.
1: Your real husband's gonna get jealous. Yeah, he probably will. It's all right.
0: He's used to it by now. So, um, let's let's do a little contender pretender, Sam. It's it's Tuesday, and that's typically where we would do this. So let's do a little contender pretender, shall we?
1: We shall. All right.
0: Let's talk a little bit about um, contender-pretender. Three contenders, uh, teams we think based on week nine that could be potential contenders for either a divisional playoff spot, a a wild card spot, or even the Super Bowl, Uh, and then we'll give you three pretenders. Start with the contenders. I'm going to go with the Cleveland Browns as a contender, not just a contender, but a contender to win the AFC North. No Deshaun Watson this season for a good portion. Uh, a stout defense. I don't even think this team has played complete football yet. And even with all that said, they're five and three and just a game out uh, of the division. I I think you have to put the Browns right now as a contender in that division. If Deshaun Watson plays even to 75 or 80% of the Deshaun Watson we used to see in Houston, I think the Browns are actually a contender to win that division uh, as of right now. The Baltimore Ravens, not just a contender, but a contender to win it all. Right now, the Baltimore Ravens have to be considered a Super Bowl contender with the way they're playing. If you put them on a neutral field with the Kansas City Chiefs, I mean, what do you make in the spread? Two and a half, one and a half, A pick? I don't know. But I feel, I feel really good about the way Baltimore is playing. And I'm not a Lamar Jackson guy. I never have been. I'm one of those people that thinks you could win a lot of games with him. You could even win a playoff game or two, even though he's really kind of struggled in the playoffs. I think with this team this year, they can go a long way. I think they can go all the way. Quite honestly, they have the best defense in football right now, and that is nothing to sneeze at. Uh, Plenty of weapons on offense. I love what Gus Edwards has added this season. Zay Flowers has been a nice addition. Great pick in the draft uh, for that team. If they stay healthy, why isn't this a Super Bowl contender? You tell me. Uh, The Minnesota Vikings playoff contenders, wild-card contenders. As long as, and there's a caveat here, as long as the Pastronaut, as he has been affectionately named by our own uh, Sam now, as long as the Pastronaut continues to start, if this team deviates from that, if they decide to go a different direction at quarterback, if they go bring in Nick Mullins off the, off the injury list and make him the starting quarterback, all that goes by the wayside. As of right now, with Josh Dobbs as the starting quarterback of this team, as a guy who has not even had an opportunity to get the playbook down yet, the Minnesota Vikings, after the 0-3 start, have to be considered a playoff contender. Now to my pretenders. This is easy this week. The Seahawks are a pretender. Wow. The great pretender. At 5-4. and four, They have a point differential of minus four. They kind of feel like the Vikings of last year. Where everybody likes to look at them and think, yo, Geno Smith and Pete Carroll and rah, rah, rah. The the, the Seahawks aren't for real. They're a pretender. Even if they make the playoffs, they're not a contender for anything. They're a pretender. Which goes the same for the team that follows the Seahawks on my pretender list. That being the Dallas Cowboys. Oh my God anything beyond a one-and-done playoff team the Dallas Cowboys are. Here's the funny part. With about six minutes left in what would eventually be that loss in Philadelphia, I actually would have had the Cowboys as a contender, as our friend Sam Yarnell can probably testify to because of the fact that I was texting him vehemently denying this idea that the Cowboys were incapable of making a run here. I thought the Cowboys were capable of making a run, but then I watched the final few minutes of that game between Dak Prescott stent, stepping on stepping out of bounds on the two point conversion, the play calling on that final drive, the play to end the game, Jake Ferguson at the goal line, even prior to that, all of it adds up to me. The Cowboys aren't for real. Uh, they can't be. You know, look, they're they're kind of like the the Miami Dolphins in that they can't beat anybody good. That's kind of a problem when you get to the playoffs because you've got to beat good teams to advance in the postseason. My last pretender pains me to say this because I love their head coach. And I think he's one of the great head coaches of this generation, not named Andy Reid or Bill Belichick. Mike Tomlin's Steelers are not a contender. They are a pretender. They're not even a wild card team. They might be the fourth best team at 5-3 and three in that AFC North right now. You know why? They don't have a quarterback you can trust. Kenny Pickett, you know, for all of his late-game heroics, I think he's had seven or eight, uh, you know, fourth-quarter comeback wins, game-winning drives, this sort of thing. All of that's great, but he's not consistent enough. And you cannot rely on constantly having to come from behind late in games in order to be a good football team. I think they're really good defensively. Uh, but I think they're just too inconsistent offensively. And Kenny Pickett, as long as he's the starting quarterback uh, for that organization, they're kind of going to be stuck in mud offensively. Combine Mark Canada in there as your offensive coordinator, whether he's calling plays on the sidelines or calling them up in the booth. I don't really care. The Steelers are pretenders.
1: Sam, it's all yours. Looking just going at- back through my notes, Jason. Because... Mm-hmm. Let me preface my contender pretender with great minds think alike. Four of our six are exactly the same. I've had the Ravens in my contenders four times this season, and the first time was week two. They will find themselves back in my contenders, and they'll lead off my contenders. The Ravens are Super Bowl contenders. We took them... To win the AFC at six to one live on the show. Hope you tailed that already being offered a positive cash out on that bet. The Baltimore Ravens are a good football team. They're not a great football team yet, but I don't know that there is a great football team in the NFL this year. And if you put them on the gridiron with anyone in the league right now, might take the Ravens. That's right now. We've got to remember that this is still going into week 10. Early in the season, comparatively, a lot of season left, but the Baltimore Ravens have shown this entire season that they can overcome injuries and they can win football games. The Baltimore Ravens are Super Bowl contenders. The Minnesota Vikings are playoff contenders, just like Jason said. They could win three of their next four games with ease. The Pastronaut, I can't take full credit for that name. It's because Josh Dobbs is an aeronautical engineer. That's what he studied while he was at the University of Tennessee. He's a guy who had internships with NASA. Now he's throwing moon balls in one of the more talented offenses in the NFC. Maybe the most talented behind the Niners and Eagles. That takes us to my last contender. The San Francisco 49ers. We cannot forget about this team. They were on bye this week, and it seems like everyone's ready to write them off in the NFC because they lost three games in a row headed into the bye. This is a time for them to get right. I'm not saying that they're going to win the Super Bowl, but the San Francisco 49ers can easily contend for the NFC championship game my pretenders as Jason said, the Cowboys and Steelers are easy pickings. And those are the first two on my list. The Cowboys have so many flaws throughout their entire team. It's like a piece of Swiss cheese. And the biggest hole may be that their best quarterback is missing, but at the end of the day, you're never going to win meaningful games with Dak Prescott. He is, I said it on the show yesterday. He is not a quarterback who can win the big game in this league. Mike McCarthy's a decent coach. Jerry Jones is a little bit crazy still. But that shouldn't hold the Dallas Cowboys back from being as good as they could be. What is holding them back is Dak Prescott under center. It can't last much longer. I don't know why they continue to trust Dak Prescott. It's what's keeping them on the pretenders list. The Pittsburgh Steelers may be the most fraudulent five and three are they five and three five and three team in the NFL right now they have an incompetent offense their quarterback who has very very small hands clearly cannot play the game at this level and otherwise, they're wasting away some amazing weapons in Jalen Warren and uh, George Pickens. The defense is electric, and it will carry them to an 8-9, and 9-8 nine, nine and eight Mike Tomlin textbook season. But the Steelers are 100% division and Super Bowl deep run at all contender or er, pretenders. My final pretender, and this is one that Jason and I have gone back and forth About off the air. The Jacksonville Jaguars are pretenders. They are not going to win the AFC South. I hope you have your money in on the Houston Texans to win that division. I know I do. They're going to lose three or four of their next five games. And when they do, they'll find themselves right around 500 and it's going to be really tough if they lose that game that i believe is week 13 or 14 against the houston texans they're going to be looking up at houston in that division the jacksonville jaguars are afc south division champion pretenders they may make the playoffs my contenders for the super bowl it's the ravens the nfc championship game it's the niners and for the playoffs it's the vikings my pretenders for the afc south division crown it's the jaguars for the playoffs all it's the steelers and for any sort of run it's the cowboys
0: i'm gonna agree with you that the jaguar schedule is tough i just think they're better than you think they are their schedule is tough though. I mean they're 6 and 2 right now. They've got the 49ers um that game is in Jacksonville. They have the Titans that game is in Jacksonville. Duval, uh they are at Houston home for the Bengals, at the Browns, uh home for the Ravens. You know what the, you know what the interesting thing is? All their toughest games are at home. All their toughest games are at home.
1: At and the they're bu- way worse at home than they are on the road. Both the of their bu- losses this season have come at home.
0: At the Buccaneers, home for the Panthers, at the Titans. So that's the that's the remaining schedule. And look, in a doom and gloom scenario, could it go really bad and they wind up winning nine games this year? It could. It could. Um, because I think that's the worst case scenario. Is this a nine and eight team? Even if you think that you know that the last nine games of the season, they're gonna they're gonna go three and six, which I don't think is the case. I think I think worst case is a ten win team. Worst case, it's a ten win team. Um, even with that schedule,
1: they struggle at home. They've struggled at home this season. I think that there is a chance. That they go into that Carolina Panthers game late in the season, week what is it, seventeen or eighteen? Or I'm sorry, sixteen or seventeen. Um, I think there's a chance they go into that game at home against the Carolina Panthers, who have already pretty much locked up the number one overall pick at this point, and lay an absolute egg, needing a win. And can and that somehow the Panthers have the number have of the, the Panthers AFC South have, this they have, year.
0: They have the Panthers at home and then at the Titans to finish.
1: Right. So I'll bet they'll they'll beat the Titans at the Titans because they win on the road like nobody's business. Uh th- they are the London Jaguars after all. Um but th- they struggle at home. They struggle in Jacksonville. There's a real chance they lose that game to the Carolina Panthers.
0: <laughs> not losing to the Panthers. <laughs> They're not Clip losing this. to the Panthers. Clip this play They're it back like week eighteen. Look at my face. They're not losing. To the Panthers. You want to say they might lose to the Titans? Will Levis? You wanna argue that Baker Mayfield does something amazing? Fine, have at it. They're not losing to the Panthers. There. How's that? And boy, the the bye came, by the way, at the perfect week, at the perfect time for them. Because they can get healthy. They had a chance to get healthy with with um Trevor Lawrence in that knee issue i think he was dealing with
1: uh that, so it's good time that good niners that niners uh jaguars game this weekend that's gonna be very meaningful for both of those teams because the niners need a win both teams coming off a buy i'm gonna put the uh the third mortgage on uh the over in that game What's
0: the spread on that Let's take an early look at the uh, line for that Jaguars game. Uh, Jacksonville plus three. Oh my God! Give me home lay dogs. the points. No, lay the Give points. me home dogs or give me freedom. Oh my goodness! Give me oh home dogs. Gosh. Give me home dogs. Where's the penguin? Hold on.
1: Yeah. Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold the Penguin would says beat take... the Jacksonville oh. Jaguars by three points in that offense. I would just like to go on the record and say.
0: Give me Jacksonville plus three all day. Plus 136 on the money line. Where
1: do I sign? What's the total? 45 and a half. Over, over. That should be 48. That is an over.
0: I don't think so. I think that that's is my under. best bet. That's I think my you and I are looking week. now. I don't. I don't think so.
1: We can do page versus the prince right now. Uh, I don't think so. I um, the think Niners that's might put up forty-eight points on that Jaguars. Sorry, defense. Crazy. Alone. The Jaguars
0: defense is so good.
1: <sighs> it has carried them to their six and two record. I, just, I will say that
0: they haven't even played their best offensively yet, that's that's still to come.
1: Trevor Lawrence doesn't have a best
0: offensively. Dude, in eight games this year, they've scored 193 points. That is hardly pedestrian. I got news for you. If you look at them in the conference, they're right around the average. Teams they've scored more points than? Your Houston Texans, by the way. Um, they've played one less game than the Chiefs. They've basically scored the same on average as the Chiefs, if not more. I mean, there's there's a lot of teams that they've scored more points than that. We would consider good football teams. They've scored more than the Patriots, scored more than the Jets. (laughs) I couldn't even say that with a straight face. All right, um, that's going to do it for contender and pretender. When Sam and I return, odds and ends. We'll wrap things up quickly. I promise. Don't go anywhere. The sports wrap continues on this Tuesday. Risk of making New York sound like it is the center of the sports universe. Uh, some odds and ends to wrap it up today. Uh, Daniel Jones done for the season. The knee injury against the Raiders, we all saw it. I don't know what it means for the Giants. You know, you're know, still going to owe him all this money. I don't know what you're doing at the quarterback position the rest of the way. Uh, they'll be lucky if they win two more games this entire season. That's why when everybody was going nuts about the Raiders win. It was funny. They all just conveniently left out the fact they were playing the Giants with John, with Tommy DeVito at quarterback. Like, come on. Seriously?
1: What do you do if you're the Giants right now, Sam? Cut, 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 <laughs> cut, 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 cut. Eat all the dead money. Suck for another year. Draft a quarterback in 25. It's hard
0: to do that in New York. I know it it sounds easy, you know, living in the the beltway like you do in DC.
1: They do it unintentionally, like every five years. But you you
0: gave fans a taste last year when you make the playoffs, you beat the Vikings. Yeah, fans were excited coming into this year. Maybe unjustly
1: so, by the way. What if? Mm -hmm. And hear me out here. Oh boy. Joe Shane. Walks into the owners' meetings this Mm offseason, or the GM meetings, whatever, where they all take the funny picture together. Sure. Uh, And he makes a deal with Brandon Bean of the Buffalo Bills. Kyle Allen and Sean McDermott straight up for Brian Dayball. with you. Why are you trying to pawn off Kyle Allen on us?
0: We don't want Kyle Allen. Please. You're not getting Brian Dayball back. It's not happening. <laughs> Actually, I could see if, if they ever got rid of Sean McDermott, I could see Brian Dayball being the head coach of that team. Oh, he will be.
1: He, he'll be the next head coach. Because yeah, the thing is, and just like Craig Council did with the Brewers, He'll walk away from one playoff team to go to a slightly better playoff team with whom he's more connected with the players. Ah, uh, yeah, Brian. My assumption is Brian Dayball will be the next head coach of the Buffalo Bills.
0: Ah, uh, number four, Michigan State loses to James Madison. Tom Izzo loses to his nephew.
1: Wow, the epitome of brutality, as uh, John Rothstein <laughs> says. Wow, it's pretty bad.
0: Uh, The New York Yankees and their owner Hal Steinbrenner, well, they talked to former players Nick Swisher and Andy Pettit before deciding whether
1: to keep Aaron Boone or not. Oh, that organization's such a mess. I'm so sorry you have to root for
0: him. I have no words. I have no words for the dumpster fire
1: that the Yankees are. The Nationals are currently in a better spot than the New York oh, Yankees. Oh,
0: stop it. Now you, see, you always go one step. No, take that back. Like five steps too far. No, no. Five steps. There is no hearing <laughs> so, out when you tell me that they're in a better position than the New York Yankees.
1: From a managerial perspective, they are. From a prospect perspective, they are. From a front office perspective, they are. Especially because I just heard a rumor uh, from, I think, Jim Bowden this morning that the Nationals are looking to hire Theo Epstein as their president and CEO. So that would be awesome. They might be looking for him.
0: They might be looking for him. I don't think Theo's interested. Not in them necessarily, just in general. I don't think he, there's a lot of teams that have come calling for Theo Epstein. He hasn't gone to any of them. He could have been with the Mets and go to the Mets with Steve
1: Cohen as the owner who's willing to spend money. I think that's because you look at his his history, right, especially recently, and he likes projects. He doesn't necessarily like a team that has a bunch of stars and he doesn't want to come in and have to deal with those big egos. He likes a team that's got a ton of. Uh, of prospects that are really highly rated, like the Nationals do, he comes in and makes a few moves off the top and turns them into a contender very quickly. I think it's the kind of build that Theo Epstein, at the very least, likes to to utilize, usually. I don't know how how realistic it is. I don't think it may be at the end of the day. But I will stand on my point that the Washington Nationals, where we sit right now, Across baseball, when you look at all the aspects that go into being a Major League Baseball team, the Washington Nationals are in a better spot than New York Yankees.
0: (laughs) You're insane. You are absolutely delusional.
1: I would also bet that the Nationals win a World Series before the Yankees do. I wouldn't bet that.
0: I wouldn't make that bet.
1: Um,
0: LSU, number one women's basketball team in the country. Uh, They lost to number 20 Colorado last night. Their head coach Kim Mulkey said they lack toughness, and she made it very clear that film study they do not going to be a fun one. Ugh, no, it, couldn't happen to it. it couldn't boss. happen to a nicer. Couldn't have happened to a nicer woman, by the way. Kim Mulkey, God, talk about hot garbage. Did you see what she was wearing last night?
1: Who's that? I who's that crazy? Not.
0: Who's that crazy hockey guy? Don Cherry. She looked like a female Don Cherry last night. She looked like Don Cherry with a wig on last night. Can I say that? I think I can. She looked like Don Cherry with a wig. She's every bit as ignorant oh as my him. Gosh. So it actually it actually all matches up. Angel Reese wasn't doing this last night. Hey!
1: God. At the end of the day, Angel Reese is just so is she's just so mad that Caitlin Clark is so much better oh than her God. at basketball. Um, yeah,
0: Caitlin Clark had like twenty eight and seven last night in her
1: opener. I, I just, Iowa LSU ranked just third continues in the country. To wishes they were yeah LSU wishes they were Iowa. That's the problem because as much as as much as LSU is you know they have the yeah, accolades they, they won the national championship absolutely right right. LSU is never not going to be a football school right now. Iowa is a women's basketball school and Angel Reese knows that their coach knows that. And you can just tell how sick it makes them all just Dude. like nebraska nebraska's a, a a volleyball school now they packed out the football stuff yeah. like that must make the football players sick i'd, I'd enter the transfer portal the next day <laughs> if i found out that this school that pitched me when they were recruiting me on being a football school is all of a sudden switching their allegiance in sports and let don't get me wrong that we should make nebraska a powerhouse in women's volleyball now and if i were a women's volleyball player I'd want to go to Nebraska with everything in me to be in that atmosphere. But at the end of the day, you can just tell that that's the, that's the problem with the LSU team is they're never going to get the support. They're never going to get the backing because they're not like these other schools that have these generational women's basketball players where the football team sucks so they can focus more on the the women's basketball team mm. and the generational talent they have there.
0: Hey, Sam, you know what the
1: music means?
0: means the show's over. We got to go. It's okay. You can't hear it. It's fine. It's going to wrap it up for us. Uh, We're back on Wednesday. Well, I'm not back. The ghost of me might be here, but Sam Yarnell hosts the show on Wednesday. Thank goodness for that. Otherwise, there'd be no show on Wednesday. Simple as that. I'm back on Thursday. Enjoy Sam tomorrow as best you can. Sam, any last parting words? Although I think you just had about
1: seven pages worth of final words there. Uh, that was, yeah, that was my speech to end <laughs> the show, Jason. We'll see you back here tomorrow.